Thanks for downloading another episode of the Attacking Scrum podcast. Yet again, it's time for me to invite a guest to pick their Dream 15. If you've not listened to this show before, we get a guest to come on and uh, select 15 players who they would love to have seen play together, past, present, future, whatever it may be. And my guest this week is former Ospreys, Neath, Newport, outside half, Sean Connor. And uh, yeah, caught up with Sean a couple of weeks ago and really enjoyed chatting to him for a number of reasons. One, he's just a really fantastic bloke. He's a lovely, lovely guy and he's always happy to uh, to give his time. So uh, big thanks to Sean for coming on. And you know what, it was a lot of fun too. Uh, he selected some really interesting players and uh, yeah, he clearly just um, really enjoys watching his rugby, which is uh, which is always good fun. And big thanks to our sponsors as always at So Coffee Trades. If you want to get your hands on some top quality coffee, you can do that over at socoffeetrades.co.uk. And yeah, stay tuned to us on, uh, on social media, particularly on Twitter, because we'll have some announcements about some fantastic guests we've got lined up to do this. I've uh, been enjoying doing these, as I said, but uh, yeah, we've, we've got some really, really quality guests coming up, some some uh, former top, top internationals. So uh, yeah, you won't want to miss out on those. So make sure you follow us on social media. It's at Attacking Scrum on Twitter. But in the meantime, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode of Dream 15. Drop ball coming up. Connor waiting, steps on to his left, got it ball. For the very first time, now the crowd have a chance to make a bit of noise. Welcome to another episode of Dream 15 from the Attacking Scrum. Another great guest lined up for you to talk through their Fantasy 15, 15 players from any era of the game, 15 positions. And it's over to them to choose. And my guest this evening is top man. He is, of course, former Ospreys outside half, former Dragons coach and current uh, current Russia attack coach. It's Sean Connor. How are you, Sean? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Jess? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. Great to have you on. Looking forward to hearing who you've uh, who you've picked. Um, how did you find this? Was this a hard was this a hard thing to do, or did you have 15 players you knew you were going to pick? No, it was it was hard and. Uh, ever since I spoke to uh, Dan, I think it was about three or four weeks ago, um, I've probably changed my team 10, 11, 12 times. I'm just, <laughs> um, I, I'm still undecided on a few positions now, so it'll, we'll see how it goes now. Oh, I look forward to hearing those. Is it, again, we've, we've had a, a few guys come on and um, as you can imagine, most people spend their time, uh, spend their time picking the backs, being a, being a former outside half yourself, is that where you spend the bulk of your time? Uh, a bit, no, a bit of both, really. Um, so I, I've gone for there's a mixture of players, but I've, I've gone for sort of the the older players I picked, um, are players that I I feel could play in the modern game now, and probably could have played oh, in that nice. era. Um, and I, I've probably gone for a little bit more of skill over brute force. You know what I mean like by that. It. It's my kind of my kind of team. This I like the uh, I like the sound of this. Well, let's uh, let's get stuck into it. We'll, we'll go uh, we'll go with a loose head prop to start. Who's okay. uh, who's on your shortlist there? Right. So um, I was I've gone with a couple of boys that I played with um, 
doing my time, a couple of boys I've coached. So first of all, there's a guy called Yestin Thomas. Um, of course, I, I yeah. Luckily enough to play with Eston at, at Ebervale. Um, for me, he was probably uh, one of the first props I saw that, that, that the new breeder prop, you know, could do a little bit more than just set-piece stuff. He, he got around the field, he's mm-hmm. an athlete, um, good ball carrier, and he, he was just a really good player. I, I always remember Eston really kind of impressing in the in a Wales jersey. You know, at a time when Wales were in a state of flux, you know, we'd have good games and bad games. But yeah. uh, I always felt like he he kind of could have had a few could have had a few more caps in my eyes. Oh, definitely, and um, probably the reason he didn't is is because of the the, the next two guys I'm going to name now. They they were guys coming through at the time. <laughs> um, but but Yestin was I, I think he may have had thirty caps for Wales, and um, yeah. he, he was he was just a, a no nonsense player, no frills. But um, he, he was uh, probably one of the first of the modern day props that I, I saw coming through. Well, who are these? Uh, who are these? Uh, these other lads keeping him out of this side then? So uh, I've got uh, Duncan Jones and Paul James, who mm-hmm. um, who I was lucky enough to, lucky enough to play with at um, at Nathan Ospreys, and similarly to to Yestin, that they were just more than more than set piece players. They um, you know really good um, players around the field. Duncan initially probably was um, a little bit in front of uh, Paul. Um, for Neath and for Ospreys and for Wales but I think Paul sort of by the time he got a 26-27 just developed into a, a real top class loose head um, and, and I think it shows obviously in the number of caps he, he went on to gain oh, Both you know both amazing servants to, to all that to, yeah, to both Neath the Ospreys and Wales you know I think yeah Paul James are, are almost you forget how many caps he's got on the loose and on the tight yeah I, I'm, I'm guessing I, I, I'm sure he has something like 60, 70 caps which you know when, when you think you are getting Jenkins into the mix and people like that it was you know to, to get that many caps with that quality of a opponent around was it's, it's no mean feat absolutely and then yeah, yeah Duncan Jones like you say, a bit ahead of his time in terms of work rate and athleticism around the field. Yeah, he was. Um, he's only a youngster coming through at Neath, but you, know, you could see straight away that um, he had something special. But but to go with that, he also had an unbelievable work ethic. Um, mm. You know, he, he trained really hard, and um, he was. He left no stone unturned. You know, whatever he could do to make himself better than. Um, he, he would do it, and I, I think it transferred to to his game. And for for a few years, he was in. You know, you had him and Adam in the Welsh team together, and um, Duncan was outstanding. And a great couple of lids between them as well. Uh, That's right. Which uh, <laughs> uh, so who, who are you going for at the loose head? Who's going to who's going to pull on the first jersey in this uh, in this Sean Connor Dream Fifteen? Well, you, you'll be pleased with this one. It's Rod Snow. <laughs> Yes, the same as me. A great yes. choice. Yes. Again, it's not. It's um, not even like I bribed you to do it. Not at all. Honestly, I, I played. I played with Rod uh, from '96 to '99 in Newport, and he was unbelievable. We um, didn't have. We, you know, we, we didn't have a great team at the time. We we often struggled for results, but uh, week in week out, he was immense. He did it all. You know, he could. He could carry big hits. His scrum was good, um, and he he was just a he was a crowd favourite, obviously. But 
Um, he, he was he was sort of a talisman for us, really, at the time. Yeah, I, just one of those players again. You know, I, I I remember I remember that Newport side very very well, Sean, because that's that was kind of my my rugby education with the old man taking me there when we were you know when we were back in Newport and uh, yeah, I remember I remember it was it wasn't um, it wasn't always easy, uh, particularly you know some of those some of those big games. But he was uh, yeah one of the, one of those players just absolutely adored by the fans. Oh, he was he was fantastic, honestly, and. Um... Just to top it off, he he was an unbelievable bloke as well. Um, really, really down to earth. Just a just a good, good man. But uh, but a, a great player yeah, also. So, yeah. Well, that's it. That's a good start, mate. We're on to we're on to a winner here. Um, right, let's move on to Hooker. Who's uh, who? Are the, who are the candidates here? Okay, so um, first get Garen Jenkins who um mm. sort of just as just as I was coming through he was probably uh, at his peak really um and uh, I, I don't think people appreciate how good a player Garen was um he yeah, he sort of uh, he, he was a ferocious competitor but he, mm. he was you know he was a tactician his lineup was very good um I don't pretend to know about scrums, but people say he was an unbelievable scrummaging hooker. And and also, he, he was just, you know, he was niggly, he was good around the field. And just, you remember the game against Argentina, you know, the picture of the, the Argies getting into him. And um, he, he was just really good at winding opposition up. Yeah, that's that was always that was always my memory of him. And um, yeah, just, I think everything you want from a hooker, you know, you want your hooker to be, playing on the edge and he yeah. was a player who played like that yeah definitely definitely was and um, it, uh, I, I don't, I'm not sure how many caps Garen had but you know again around the time that Wales were fortunate they had Garen John Humphreys uh, Robin McBride yeah. all around the same time but I, I yeah. you know I, I genuinely feel that Garen was probably unlucky not to go on a British Lions tour yeah I think I think you're right and um, yeah, and I guess probably down to the strength of some of the other uh, some of the other home nations as well. Which yeah, yeah. which other players uh, are made the shortlist at hooker? So I've got I've got Keith Wood. So that's yeah. from you know the, the Lions tour. In, I think it was '97. Was it South Africa? Um, yeah, he was uh, iconic. Now, isn't he? You know some of the some of his play in that game. Um, you know, probably he was coming to the end around about then, but. Um, he was he was immense on that tour. Uh, somebody else I've gone for in the shortlist as well is uh, Trevor Leota, the Samoan. Yeah, who played for, oh, hard hitting man. He was. Yeah, yeah. and uh, up until this morning he was in my team. Um, oh, but uh, it, I, I've had to go for for Dean Coles. Interesting. Wow, um, you know the, the the modern master. Yeah, I, I just think he's such a good player. Um, He's a great footballer. Again, you know, he does his nuts and bolts. His lineup is good. Um, his scrum is good. Gets around the field. He's got he's got skills like a back, and he scores tries. And I, I just think he's suited to the modern game. And uh, you know, defence is so tight. You have to have players with something a little bit different. And I, I think he has it. You know, he can throw twenty meter passes, right, left hand. Um, he, he's just a complete ducker for me. Yeah, he is really in there. And you talk about players, you know, front row forwards who are, you know, the, the modern day forwards. Well, the All Blacks just seem to do it 
to another level. It's almost like the ultra modern forwards, isn't it? Because you, you, like you say, you've got a player in in Coles and you know Moody and some of the others who can throw, like you say, throw passes like like scrum halves can. Yeah, and uh, you know, I'm not. Uh, I've never been to New Zealand, but uh, they, they they just seem to they have a production line of players that come through, and they, mm-hmm. they all they all do the basic skills. And um, I, I think you know that's if if there's a lesson for for us in this in this part of the world, then it's you know we we just need to perfect the basics. Um, and I, I think that's why New Zealand has, they, that's why they've been the best team in the world in the past, and I'm sure. I'm sure they'll get back there as well. Great choice. Right, let's move on to Tighthead. Tighthead. So, um, Carl Eggman, um, obviously yeah. the, the New Zealander. Um, again, uh, just a colossus of a man. Um, a, a great player. Did did his you know his work in a set piece, good around the field. Um, so he's, he's my first choice. Uh, my first, sorry, on the list. Um, Dai Young then's another one. So Dai was, yeah. as so I was coming through to senior rugby '95. I think Dai had probably just come back from rugby league, um, and I, I just remember him being for four or five years. He was brilliant for for Cardiff, for Wales, and also you know for the Lions as well. Um, it's amazing, really, with Dai Young, isn't it? Because you look at all of those great players who went to play league, and you know the the Devereaux and Jiffy and, you know, a lot of backs and then a lot of loose forwards, you know, Moriarty and those kind of players to go and do it as a prop, as a prop forward, you know, where you're not required to scrummage. You can't get by in rugby league with, you know, with scrummaging ability. It shows actually what, a, again, another player is ahead of his time and what an athlete he was as well as being a strong man. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He was, um, he was fantastic. And um, again, probably, didn't have um, it's it's a modern way, isn't it? P- players don't really have the credit they deserve until and, until probably they finish, and then you realise how good they are. But I, I think mm-hmm. Dai Young was one of those. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. But it's, my uh, my 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 choice, sorry, uh, Jed, my 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 tight dead is Adam Jones. Yeah, it's so hard to look past him, isn't it? Ah, uh, it's um, I'm thinking of it from a. A back and an outside half, and what do you want from a, a tight dead? You want him to to lock the scrum out and give you a good ball to play from. And for like for six, seven, eight years, that's what Adam Jones did. Um, I, I, I don't think people realise either what a what a fantastic footballer he was. Um, yeah. People thought of him as being unfit and um, you know just a scrummager, but honestly, the guy could kick off both feet. He could kick drop goals. He could pass like a back, um, but again, nuts and bolts. He could scrummage and for a back and front of the half. That's what you want from a tight dead. I mean, there must there must have been a few times as well, Sean, where you know you're you're up against it, you're up against it for the Ospreys and deep in your own twenty-two, and Adam Jones wins you a, and the pack win you a scrum penalty. That must that must be a great feeling. Oh, it's it's unbelievable. You know, it's um, they, they did it numerous occasions. Adam Paul. Paul James, Duncan, you know Barry Williams. They were some great players there, and just the, the when you're under pressure and it's then your big players stand up, and, and that's what Adam could do for you. He could, uh, you know, just get a penalty out of nothing, just just to relieve pressure and um, win games, really. 
Yeah, do you know what? I think it's um, he's one of those players who, however long we run this series, he's going to feature on virtually everyone's shortlist, if not in everyone's side, just because he's, uh, you know, I think as, as well as being an awesome player, he is just another firm fan's favourite. Oh, uh, yeah, and he's a he's a great bloke as well. Again, you know, it's, it's not um, it's not everything, but he's down to earth, he, he's sociable, he mixes with people, you know, he's um, and, and that's why he's a fan's favourite. Uh, he, he has time for everyone. The, the other thing as well I think is amazing is, you know, you mentioned there there was this kind of, uh, yeah, this either misconception or conception of him being unfit, but he worked really, really hard to to get himself to uh, to the, the fitness level that, that was required at international rugby. You know, that's not just that's not just done by accident. He did, he wouldn't allow anyone to carry him. He, he worked incredibly hard yeah. to improve that level of his game. Of course, he, you, you don't get, um, I think it's 98 caps and uh, the Lions tours that, that Adam has had if, if you're lazy and if you're unfit. Um, again, it's 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 peak birds. It's, a, a lot of it, wasn't it, was, was the Steve Anson thing where he'd play him for 20 yeah. minutes, half hour, and then bring him off and... You know, I'm sure that 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 hurt Adam for a while, but um, you know, he uh, and it shows his strength of character to be able to overcome that and go on and have the career that he that he had. Yeah, absolutely right. And um, uh, do you know what this is? This is always supposed to be like you know, a nice, light-hearted look back. You've now just got me pining for uh, pining for the days of, of Adam Jones in the, in the number three jersey. <laughs> but um, right, let's move on to the second row. Who's in, who's in the boiler house? Right. Um... So four, number four for me. I've um, yeah. my list. So I've got Martin Johnson's in there in the list. Mm. Um, again, just played against him a few times. Um, just a, a rock of a man, really. Just you know, uh, it's, it's it's well documented, and everyone knows what a great captain he was and a great leader. But he, he was also a very good rugby player. He was he was he was like granite. Um, mm. So you know, always tough to play against, but. Again, those Lions tours probably um, consolidated him as a legend. Yeah. Um, second on my list then is is, is Brody Retallick. Who I, oh, I just yes. think as a as a modern rugby player, he has everything. Um, yes, again, I, I talked about skill before, brute force, and he, he he has it all. He can carry, he can he can pass, he can just just do it all. You know, and he he's a serious he, athlete as well, isn't he? Serious, you know. He's a serious athlete, and again, I think, um, I think the most, probably the most important players on the field now are second rows because they're involved in everything, line out, scrum, yeah. kickoffs, um, very often first, first to different you know places in defence, in attack, and the, the, if, if if they don't function, your team doesn't function. Uh, I, I think you know, and both of those are real top top quality players, but again, I I couldn't look past Alan Wynne Jones. Yeah, of course. Again, yeah. so you know, someone someone you would have played with, you have played with a lot. Um, you know, that were a number of years, I imagine. Yeah, so I think uh, so. Ospreys, I think we started two thousand and three, and I think Alan Alan Wynn and Ian Evans sort of came in at the same time, and it may mm. have been either two thousand three or two thousand and four. Um, and Alan Wynn, especially the boys, used to get frustrated with him. Because you know, at, at the time you'd, you'd be you'd be playing touch games or whatever, and you'd be clear. And Alan Wynn would chase you sixty meters to make you work, <laughs> right until last. You know, there, there was no gentleman agreement with him. He was if you were going to score, 
he'd make you work for it. And he hasn't changed now. He he does everything 100%. And obviously he has skill, he has talent, but I think it's our mindset that's, that's got him where he is today and helped him. Well, he will become the most capped international of all time, hopefully. And, um, you know, it's, it's a, I think a large part of it is down to his mindset. You know, everyone we've ever interviewed who, you know, who's, who's either played or trained or played against Alan Wynn always says the same thing. And particularly around training, that he would never take a training session at 80%. He would go yeah. into it as if it was a test match. Yeah, he doesn't take shortcuts, honestly. And um, I, and I think that's, that's probably the biggest difference now from maybe the early days of professionalism to, to now is... Years ago, there'd be gentlemen's agreements. You, you you pair up with somebody who you, you know, you knew you could wouldn't have to work hundred percent with. But Alan Wynn wasn't one of them. He would, um, he'd grind you into the ground, you know. And um, he's 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 had the benefits of it all now, and he is his work rate is second to none. Oh yeah. I, the other thing I'm always fascinated with as well is like. I think unless you're in the dressing room with him, you you kind of, you know, you see the way he sings the anthem and the way he's in press conferences and stuff and the way everyone talks about him being a great leader, but it must be something else to actually be in there and, and go into battle with him. Uh, he's, he's just a born leader, you know. It, it, um, if, if Alan wins in the team, you know you have a better chance of winning. He, he, he has that much of an influence on on teams, you know, and the, the fact that he's above for me, he's above Mar, uh, Martin Johnson and somebody mm. like Brody Retallick, it, it it just says it all about the type of person, the type of player he is. Certainly does, right? Alan Jones uh, takes one of the the positions in the second row. Who's uh, who's the other lock, or who who's the, who's on the shortlist for the other locks? Right, so um, Fabian Pelouse. The old Toulouse oh, yeah. and France second row. Um, lucky enough to play against him a few times. And again, similar to Martin Johnson, just a, a, a coloss, colossal of a man and just just brute force, really. Just, you know, big ball carrier, big defender. Um, you know, didn't mind a cheap shot if, if you were in the wrong place. Um, yeah, just a great player. Um um, my other one then is somebody who I think is an unbelievable rugby player, uh, guy uh, Courtney Laws, who obviously England, yeah. Northampton, um, just one of the modern day second was really run like a back, um, but what a powerhouse, absolute powerhouse, and um, de- defensively, he's, uh, I don't think there's a better second row in the world defensively than him. Maybe Etzebeth, but um, Courtney Laws is an outstanding player. Um, yeah, again. I really, th- I really think that that Lions that Lions tour in in 2017. Although he, um, you know, although he couldn't quite steal a march on one of the, the Test jerseys, he did such yeah. a such an amazing job. And since then, he's just maintained such a high standard that, you know, Eddie Jones has to pick him somewhere, whether it's yeah, in the row or it's at blindside. He has exactly. to have that sign. And I think it says it all. That, um, England, Eddie Jones, England. They feel they have to find a place for him. You know, they've got yeah. an embarrassment of riches in the second row and back row, really. But they they try, they always try and find a place for Courtney Laws, and he, he is a, he's a great yeah. player. But he doesn't make the cut. He doesn't make the cut. I've gone with John Eels. Oh, another another one I went for. Yeah, John good, good Eels. Choice. Yeah, I just again skill over brute force. I just think um, he was an unbelievable rugby player. 
and probably before his time, sort of mid nineties, late nineties. You know, just a what, what a what an unbelievable second row. Kick kick goals, um, win lineouts, great around the field. Just a great captain again. Um, just just an unbelievable rugby player. It's interesting because yeah, you're right. He's massively ahead of his time in terms of you know his athletic ability and his longevity and those kind of things. But also he's behind the time in terms of his haircut and the fact that he was a the fact he was a goal kicking second row. You know he's like a nice throwback to to yeah. the seventies. Like Alan Martin or something. I don't know John mm. Taylor. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, forward taking goal kicks. You watch any professional rugby team training at the end of a session, you'll always see forwards kicking balls, and it it, <laughs> it, it drives coaches mad. But uh, obviously, uh, John Eels practiced, and um, he was very good at it. I know, yeah, I was, that's just one of those fascinating things to think like, you know, 1999 World Cup final, you know, I think he was still kicking goals then in a, yeah. I think I'm right saying that, in a side that had like Matt Burke in it. That's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Astonishing. Great choice. I like the, like the look of that, um, like the look of that type five a lot. What about, uh, what about the back row? Right, back row, so six um, in contention, I've gone for uh, Richard Hill. Um, again, mm-hmm. Uh, England Lions, uh, just I, I thought he was a great player, um, unassuming, but just just went about his business and very effective at what he did, and just very very good at what he did. Um, somebody else I've got uh, on my list, Colin Chavez, very similar to Richard Hill. Yeah. Um, thing with Colin as well, he could play six, seven, and eight. Um, again, just uh, what an athlete. Um, I remember. You know, one of my first games out of youth playing Swansea and Colin was playing eight. And uh, it was, well, him off the back of a scrum was, oh, God. It, it, it was frightening, honestly. He was that quick and that powerful. Yeah. Um, but he misses out as well. And uh, I've, I've gone for Zinzan Brook. Zinzan Brook on the blind side? Zinzan Brook on Ooh. the blind side. Yeah. Oh, this is this is very interesting. Yeah. Again, uh, just skill. Um, obviously, uh, I, I I can't remember when he finished. Probably around ninety five, ninety six, ninety four, yeah. ninety five. He finished probably, but I just remember him as a as playing for the All Blacks. Um, again, a footballer, kick drop goals, um, skills of a back. Um, I remember once so, I. Uh, 1999 2000 I went to I was in Arlequins on loan for, for a month and uh, Zinzan Brook was coaching him at the time and so we were doing kickoffs. so I made him kickoffs off forwards and he just comes across takes the ball off me and starts doing the kickoffs. You know, <laughs> middle of a training session <laughs> everyone on the button just unbelievably skillful unbelievable and I oh, uh, absolutely I just had to, I had, to, I had to find a place for him in the back row and so I, I, I put him at six. <laughs> put, put him at six, and uh, I'm hoping he's on uh, he's on kickoff duty as well. Yeah, just in case. <laughs> Good stuff. Um, right then, I mean, this must be some back row if you've shunted Zinzan Brook to blindside. Let's uh, let's hear who your open side candidates are. Ah, right, candidates. So I've gone for uh, I'll name two uh, to start. So it's Richie McCaw and Marty Holler. So probably at, at the time they were one and two in the world, um, and obviously unfortunately for Marty Oller, R- Richie McCaw was 
was in front of him. But um, you know, I, I had the pleasure of playing with Marty at the Ospreys, and um, he was one of the people that that, that came in and helped change the culture. Um, and I, I'll speak a little bit more about Marty later. But you know, obviously, Richie McCall just 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 took the game to new levels. Um, unbelievable player, unbelievable captain. Um, and his, his his record speaks for itself, doesn't it? And then two others I've got on my list: um, Sam Oberton and Martin Williams. Yeah. Um, I, I thought they, you know, same age as Martin, coming through. He was an outstanding player. Um, played for Wales for probably 10, 11 years, and um, just just kept getting better. Um, and uh, probably um, Sam. Sure, Oberton, it was longer. It was longer than that, actually. It was longer. Was he, it think, longer? I think he had his first cap in '96 and his last yeah. in 2011. Oh, there we are! In fifteen years, Whew. amazing. You know, and, I, that, and I, I have no doubt that um, Sam Warburton is the player he is because of oh, oh, it, it helped him become the player he was just by working with Martin day in day out. Um, uh, but none of them make my team, and the reason is I've, I've gone for Justin Tipperick. Yeah. It's. Uh, I mean, it, it, there is definitely a theme um, in your in your pack of, uh, of wanting to pick pick ball players. You know, even right in the, from the front row. You know, you got you got players like Coles in there, and and I mean, it, I know it's a cliche, and everyone says it, and it comes up every time Ospreys or Wales are playing. But you know, Tipperick Tipperick could play in the centre. He does. He does have those. He's kind of fantastic. Balls, he's he's fantastic. Honestly, he's um. And he, I, I remember I. I remember him training. He used to train in the centre, but but again, Tip Tipperick just indeed he didn't have it easy. So um, uh, I think I was coaching Ospreys 18s in two thousand and five, two thousand and six, some of that. And Justin wasn't in the academy. He was a but but Garen Jenkins watched him play for maybe in Trabanos or Aberavon or something like that youth, and he he saw something in him. Um, so he he called him into the 18s. He was a tubby. Not overweight, but you know, just tubby, tubby flanker. Um, but he had unbelievable pace, unbelievable skills. Um, he, he had a season in the 18s, got into the academy, Wales Sevens, and then his career just flew from there. But again, so similar to uh, the Sam Warburton and Martin Williams scenario, um, what helped Justin was the Ospreys bring in somebody like Marty Holler in. Yeah, because um, it's, it's often the criticism that you know that. The you know journalists and pundits kind of throw at, at sides is uh, you know it, it's stopping the development of young Welsh players if you just import the you know you import the signings and that Osprey side at, at the time you know was was full of of the Galacticos you know and yeah. um, it's interesting to hear you say that Holler helped Tipperick become the player he is after you guarantee after every session um, Marty Holler would be on the train and pitch with uh, with Justin. Just helping him with little things, just walking through scenarios, different techniques of jackling, ta- uh, tackling, getting back off the floor, how to get back in the game. Um, and I, I'm sure if you spoke to Justin, he, he would say that the Marty had a had a big impact on on the player he's become. Oh, excellent choice there. No no arguments from me there. Right, let's hear which number eight it is who shunted Zinzan Brook out to the flank. Right. Okay. So. Uh, First on my list is Toby Falato. Yeah. Um, luckily enough, uh, fortunate enough, sorry to play with Toby in 2009 when he made mm-hmm. his, his Dragons debut. Um, 
luckily enough then to coach him for a couple of years after that um, and, and just to just to see the player he's become uh, for me he's probably if he's not the best in the world he's on his days the second best in the world um, at the moment and um, another one on my list um, somebody I was fortunate enough to play with again was a guy Filo Tiatia yeah again another player who every uh, every ex-Ospreys player we speak to says you know again in that side full of star names you know people always come back to uh, to Tia Tia yeah he, he was another one like Marty Holly you know and um, just and, and you, you mentioned earlier about journalists saying about uh, foreigners taking um, you know the places of younger players but if, if, if the quality of the foreigner is right it, it helps mm. and Marty and uh, Philo Tia Tia you know they, they worked wonders for the Ospreys just not only on the field, but the amount of time they spent with young players off the field. Um, honestly, it, uh, I, I, I really believe it, it, it helped change uh, the, the culture of the Ospreys at the time. And I, I'm sure it still goes on now. I'm, I'm sure. Right. So no uh, no room for Toby, no room for Felix for here. No. So Toby, Toby was in until an hour ago, probably. <laughs> um, obviously, there's there's been no rugby on TV the last couple of weeks, so I've been watching a few of the the Lions reruns and all this stuff, and um, you, you just I couldn't leave Scott Cornell out. Yeah, great choice. Um, Again, another play, another player awesome in both codes as well. Uh, yeah, just you know, I remember before he we went, remember the try he scored. I think it was against France on the Old Arms Park. Just from the halfway line runs down the touchline scores in the corner um, when the rugby league came back a different type of player um, but oh, and the, the, the reason I've probably gone for uh, Scott Quinnell over Toby is Toby's been fortunate fortunate enough to play in really good Welsh teams great Welsh teams mm-hmm. um, Scott Quinnell probably played in teams that weren't weren't as strong as the ones now but he still had massive, massive impacts on games. So I, yeah. I, I, I really was torn. But the only, the only reason I went for Scott is just that. Really, the the, the teams he played in um, were probably a little bit weaker than the teams Toby had played in. I seem to remember kind of the end of the end of his international career, Scott Cornell. There was a lot of almost just give it to Scott and crash it and hope for the best. You know, whether it was a number eight pickup or it was popping the ball short to him, it was just, you know, it, it became quite one-dimensional because he was so good at it. But I remember right. almost just feeling sorry for him at the time that it was, right. it was, it was, he was just being forced into this role and, and we didn't have many other many other options. That's right. And I, and I think it was probably, uh, at the time, the game had become overly prescriptive as well. So... Um, and mm-hmm. that's probably why he sort of got into that role was just give the Scott goes to the game line then we come around the corner then we can do this then we can do that um, but, but I think Scott was a much better player than that look, look at the Scott Gibbs try against against England at Wembley um, just mm-hmm. the, you know the off the back of a line out nice little run little pop to, to Scott Gibbs who, who scores under the post um, so I think Scott Quinnell had the skills but um, as was um probably with a lot of players at that time, uh, coaches weren't, weren't using the skills, the, the, the player skills. 
Uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And uh, that makes up a, a fantastic back row. Zinzan Brooks, Scott Cornell and Justin Tipperick. Love the look of that. Right, we're going we're gonna to have a look at your backs in just a moment, Sean. But before we do that, just a very quick break. This is Nicky Smith. You're listening to Attack and Scrum, sponsored by Soul Coffee Trades. Time now to have a look at your back, Sean Connor. You've picked a very, uh, a very attacking, ball handling, footballing pack. Uh, I imagine the theme is going to be continued into the backs, and we're not going to have, uh, we're not necessarily going to have kicking nines and tens. But uh, you talk me through it. You're not going for Clyde Roll- Roland at nine. <laughs> Rolls reversed. I've gone for brute force in the backs. <laughs> no, so my my choice is at nine. Okay, so. Um, uh, I think I think Reece Webb is, is a is a was a great player. I think he's gonna um hit a bit of form again now. Now he's come back to the Ospreys. Um Dwayne Peel, another one who um for five, six years, um I, you know, I think he was as good as, as as anything in the world. Um just you know, for me and a nine's job is to get the ball, get the ball away as quick as you can, uh, get get the breakdowns as quick as you can and um just constantly making decisions. Um, so for me, you would have played with a, with a number of different nines, you know, in, in your career, and you know, you would have. Um, did you prefer to play with someone like a, you know, like a Webb or a Peel who gets the ball out to you quick, or did you like having someone like a Mike Phillips who's able to, you know, to rough it up a bit with the with the back row forwards? Um, uh, it's, it's a funny one, really. Mike Phillips, some, something like Justin Marshall. Um, mm. For a ten, it's it's sometimes difficult to um, to to know what 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 they were going to do, you know, and and then it's just, you have to react very late, um, and, and and the game has changed a little bit now. I think um, the, the game is probably played off nine a lot more now because of the way defenses yeah. are. So uh, I think Mike Phillips and uh, people like Justin Marshall would be great in today's game as well. Um, funnily enough, none of, none of those two have made my shortlist, but. Um, I, I've gone for passes, so Reese Webb, yeah. Dwayne Peel. Um, but for me, probably one of the guys that really changed the way scrum half plays was Aaron Smith. Yeah, great choice. Just um, you know, his his, his pass is uh, like a bullet, and for for, for an outer half, that's that's what you want. You want the ball in your hands as as quick as you can to just to help you make good decisions and. Uh, help the team, um, but also something I think that um, people have started to copy now and um, realise what, what he's very good at is his support lines. You, yeah. you watch Alan Smith, he'll pass the ball lateral, but he always runs forward because he, he's he's waked in and he knows he has New Zealand or um, Highlanders that they have players that can uh, make line breaks. So he, he's constantly running positive support lines, and and, and that's why he scores so many tries. I think as well, what, what I find fascinating with him is because he's got the complete game and, you know, obviously he's got a, a great pack in front of him with the All Blacks, but he very rarely makes the wrong decision. You know, if and he doesn't need, you know, he doesn't need any prescribed plan moves. He seems to know exactly what's going on almost three phases before it happens. And yeah. um, he makes it look so effortlessly easy. It's 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 because he's constantly on the move. You watch him pass. His first two mm. or three steps are always quick. So it it it, it it it's a lesson for any young lines out there. 
Um, you watch lots of nines, they'll pass, they watch the game, and then oh, and then it's 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 a reaction to get somewhere. But he's constantly on the move, and his first couple of steps are quick, and then he he, he has a lot more time then to make good decisions and and understand what's what's going on in front of him. Yeah, fine, fine choice that, Sean. Uh, were you tempted to pick yourself at ten? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, no. Uh, to, to come on for the last ten minutes to see the game out, maybe. Yeah, yeah. you'd have you'd have, you'd have an armchair ride with this pack uh, and uh, and Aaron Smith. You'd, you'd never get the ball. Oh, do you know what? I'd, I'd love to play. Love to play in that team. Yeah, <laughs> me. Uh, ten. So uh, nomination. So I've gone. Obviously, Dan Carter. I think is has, has been brilliant for the last ten, twelve years, perhaps. Um, you know, just. He's probably one of the first, not one of the first, but you know his, his vision and his, his ability ability to see what's going on in front of him um, was was as good as as there's ever been from a ten. I think um, you know people talk about communication, speaking from the outside, but but Dan Carter could see things that, that other tens couldn't. Yeah, I'm I'm always fascinated with these All Blacks as well who have the longevity. You know, the ones they'll make exceptions for. So Dan Carter, you know, allowed a sabbatical and allowed to come back again. Yeah, um, yeah. And you think that the depth that they've got, you know, like you say, you know, like Marty Holler, any other nationality, he'd have had 100 caps. But yeah. because of because of McCaw, he, he couldn't get that look in. And Dan Carter is just, it's just another one, isn't he, that he was that much better than all the other great tens that they that they had around. Yeah, they, yeah. They had to work around him. That's right, that's right. And, uh, you know, they... Well, they were very good at they they started him at twelve, didn't they? You know, they um, mm. just just to bed him into the team, and um, and then sort of uh, I don't know ten, fifteen, twenty caps that they move him in. But I think there was always a plan for him. Um, and uh, again, same, same as my next one, really, Johnny Wilkinson. He was he was similar yeah. with England. Play, I think he played for England when he was eighteen in the centre. Um, you know, and he he was always going to be a. Uh, a star for for England, you know, and another one who um, probably didn't play in. Uh, I, I, how do I say it? Not 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 great England teams, but you know they were very effective at what they did, mm. um, and you know he, he orchestrated that from ten. He was a great game controller. You know they 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 changed the nine a little bit with Gomesol, uh, Matt Dawson, Kieran Bracken. Yeah, he kind of had both, you know, both the, obviously, he was, you know, one of the best England side, if not the best England side of all time, you know, three. And then he came back four years later in a side that was a bit of a, a motley crew, wasn't it? You know, Gomez, yeah. like you say, Gomesel had been in the wilderness for a while. And, yeah. you know, you had these players who, who weren't household names with the general public. And they, by hook or by crook, got to the final. And you get the feeling that, that he was every bit as important in that team as he was four years before. Yeah, he was. He, he just knew how to. Um, he knew how to very similar, something like Ronan O'Gara. They they just mm. know how to how to guide a team around the field, when to kick, when to run, when to pass. You know, and they they they, they were very good at rewarding their forwards. Uh, so so the forwards would work hard, win penalties and scrums, win you know turnovers, things like that, turnover lineouts, and he he would constantly reward them and keep them going forward. Um, but you know, also Johnny was a great defender. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, my ten, I, I think the way modern defences are now, you need you, you've got to have flair at ten and um, or somewhere in your back line. And, and for me, Carlos Spencer. Yeah, 
That's right. Wow. Um, I, I don't know if you've seen any of these. Um, there's some clips doing the rounds at the moment on uh, on on Twitter and stuff like that. And it's just it's Carlos Spencer kind of showing off in his in his back garden and slinging oh, these. Goodness. Between him and Quade Cooper, they're just uh, they're just phenomenal ball <laughs> ball skills it's that they're showing off. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Like if it was. Um, if it was like a you know a YouTuber doing it, you'd say, "Oh, that's been edited. That's been edited." But because yeah. it's Carlos Spencer, you're like, "No, that's for real, isn't it?" Oh, what unbelievable skills! There was a try the other day. They would show a replay on something of uh, remember they, they they run the ball from behind their own line, mm. chucks the ball across his posts. I think it's Christian Cullen makes a break and on the end of scoring in the corner to win the game. And he, he was just oh, uh, he, he was probably a maverick at the time and. Um, Again, it goes back to the time where uh, I think coaches wanted safety and somebody who could uh, be be predictable and do what they wanted them to do. Um, but, but I think Carlos Spencer now would be uh, he would be unbelievable in a modern team. Unbelievable. Yeah, and he, he kind of followed. Um, you know, his, his career overlapped a lot with Andrew Mertens, didn't he? Who was everything yeah. you said, you know, was safe, never made a mistake, wonderful kicking game, you know, good passing as well. But he wasn't, you know, he wasn't the, the flair running 10 that, that Spencer was. And I was always glad he got that run in the team in 03, 03 to 05, kind of uh, at the end of his career, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. Again, you look at people like um, Damien McKenzie now, they, 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 they play mm. because the game has changed and you need game breakers. They play Damian McKenzie at fullback, and you know Bowden Barrett at fullback. They, they, it's about having their best players on the field. And I think if 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 Carlos Spencer was was playing in New Zealand now at, at 25, 26, whatever, then he would be in that team somewhere because he can just yeah. break defenses down, and, and defenses are so well organised in the modern day. Um, but but he, I think he could he could play in any generation. Oh, I think you're absolutely right. Let's um, as as we move on to twelve. I just want to ask you about this as well. We asked you about nine. Was there a was there a particular kind of twelve you like to have outside? Did you like to have that second five eighth? You know, a footballer outside you to take a bit of the pressure off, or did you like having someone who was a you know a good a good crash ball merchant just to get over the game line? Um, probably the start uh, start of my career. It was more about um, the twelve in those days. Was probably more a crash ball twelve. Mm. Um, but, but I think as as the game has evolved over the last I don't know ten fifteen years, um, I, I think it's changed. I, I think you, you have to have the ability. You have to have a twelve that can get you over the game line. But I, I think also now he needs to be able to distribute. And um, mm. but what, what, one of my one of, one of my one of my options at twelve is um, let me speak. Tell you who he is. Yeah, one of them it. is is obviously Marnonu. Okay, and. Mm. The question you just asked is perfect for Marnonu. So I think when Marnonu first came into the New Zealand team, he was just a one-dimensional player, straight up and down, carry, defend, didn't pass, didn't kick. But I think as the game evolved, I think credit to Marnonu, he evolved too, and he is he became a much uh, much better distributor. He developed the kicking game, and I think probably his last 20, 30 caps. He was a much better player than in his early days. He was the complete. He was the complete player by then, wasn't he? he, he yeah, he, he turned into a complete player. Um, yeah. So uh, again, uh, somebody else on my list, uh, Jeremy Guscott. 
Um, again, <clears throat> going going back to early nineties and you know the Lions to South Africa, he, he was uh, he, he was just a great centre, wasn't he? You know, easy on the eye. He used to glide around the field. Um, just a, Rolls Royce. A, a Rolls Royce, and I think that was his nickname when he Rolls Royce. Yeah. Um, but coming back to your first point, um, I've gone for Scott Gibbs. Yeah, well, that's it. No, no one hits a uh, hits a crash ball quite like Scott Gibbs. That's right. That's right. But, but I think people underestimate as well, especially mm. probably when he came back from league. Um, his distribution skills as well. Um, yeah. Again, people get players get pigeonholed, don't they, into uh, scrummaging or ball carrying or defending. But uh, well, Scott Gibbs have much more than that. He, he's obviously a great ball carrier, um, but he, he could do the subtleties as well, the little little passes. You know, putting people into space. He was um, Scott Gibbs was world class, world class. And again, you know, we we spoke about some of those some of those great uh, Lions performances. Scott Gibbs in '97 is one that you could talk to the most. You know, you can talk to the most one-eyed England fan in the world, and they're happy to talk to you about Scott Gibbs in the Lions yeah. jersey. Yeah, it, uh, you know the, the Oz Durant uh, crash ball, wouldn't they? You know, and yeah. he, he was he was just he was a beast on that tour, wouldn't he? And um, you know, and he, 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 that was probably what was he ninety seven? I think when did he finish playing? Two thousand three, two thousand four. Um, yeah, because really he, he, he would have been. Yeah, he, he, he would have been there the first season. First season at the Ospreys, yeah. the and you know we we didn't really see the best of him. Obviously, I think he was winding down at that point. But um, mm. you know, I, I think it was just that first year. It was what the Ospreys needed. They needed that figurehead there to 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 help the. Um, the Ospreys become established as a region um, and I, he did that you know and um, he, he was a great captain Just for, he did, didn't play an awful lot that, that in the first year of the Ospreys but you know he um, he really did help set the tone for, for what was going to be the Ospreys in the future Yeah no, no, excellent choice what, um, what about outside centre who, who's uh, the nominations outside of Gibson Oh, so the first one is Alan Beekman. Mm. Again, somebody I was, <laughs> um, he was probably 35 when he played for Neath, um, 2001-2002, but he was unbelievable. You know, just, he used to glide around the field. Just, you know, a, a, a dream for a 10. He would, you'd throw a pass, he would run a line that would uh, take him into a hole, you know, and, um but again, obviously, you know, great defender as well. You know, nicknamed the Clamp, um, great player, and it, it it pains me as well not to put him in the team. Um, <laughs> I went for I went for Gibson Bateman in mine actually, just because I would have loved to have seen him play a bit yeah. more than they actually did. They were they were great for a couple of seasons together at Wales, but again, you felt yeah, I always felt as a you know as a kid watching that I was I was robbed a bit because they you know they both went both went off to play league. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. But I, again, you know, I think it sums them up that they um, they they came back and they were still great players. You know, Alan Bateman won a Heineken Cup with Northampton. Had a few few yeah. good years there. People thought he was coming to Nice to retire, and he had two. He was fantastic for two seasons, and um, you know, the only thing that probably kept him out of playing for the Ospreys was he was a little bit too old, maybe, and mm. it, it probably worried people that. At picking somebody at his age, but 
I have no doubt that he, he, he like Scott, he, he could have done a season at the Ospreys, no problem. But he doesn't. He doesn't get the thirteen shirt. He doesn't get it. No. Um, Brian O'Driscoll was close as well. You know, another great player. But the the guy I've gone for is is Conrad Smith. Yeah. There's a there's a real uh, a real kind of all blacks uh, all blacks theme running through the the spine of this team, um, and he's, he's I suppose he's Conrad Smith. He's almost like the um, the unsung hero in that in that all black side, isn't he? You've got the big names. You've got the yeah. the Carters and uh, and the and the Smiths and and the McCaws. He did a you know did such a brilliant job, almost in a quiet, understated way. He, he was just the glue, wasn't he? And um... You speak about him being understated. Um, I think it was 2000 and 2006. Um, can you remember Jason Spice, Scrum Half? Of course, yeah. So Jason Spice and Conrad Smith were really good mates, okay? So we're training one day and uh, Spicey comes in and says, uh, Lynn, Sean, do you mind if, if my mate trains with us? And nobody had a clue who this guy is, right? So uh, it, it was a Monday afternoon, and it, it was recovery game, so we we're just playing touch games in the barn. And this guy joins in, and we're like, "Who the bloody hell is this guy?" And honestly, no, he had this long hair, looked like a tramp, right? And nobody knew. And then at the end of the session, Spicy tells us who he is. And obviously, it, it all makes sense, then, doesn't it? But what an unbelievable player! He unbelievable. Yeah, I did. Brilliant pick there, I think, and um, and again another one with the, the longevity. You know, could just you, you get the feeling he could he could play forever. Yeah, I I think he may have just retired. He I know he was in mm. France playing for a while, wasn't he? And I think it was Pau. Um, again, we, Pau, we yeah. went up with the drag uh, dragons a few years ago, and he he, he was just class. You know, he's just just he, 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 people speak about Gavin Henson, you know, and Gavin always had time on the ball, which he did. You know, Conrad Smith was exactly the same. It was like he was playing the game in slow motion. Just, just used to glide on the field. Yeah, and that would have been that would have been a nice set of partnership. Watching, uh, yeah, watching Carlos Spencer get the uh, get the best out of Gibson Smith. Yeah. Uh, uh, time for the time for the back three. Then, um, who are your wingers? Wingers, right? So, um, David Campesi, I've mm. is it on the list, but he's not in. Um, I, I, I just. Again, going forward, I think he was a great player. Um, late 80s, early 90s, just all-round skill set, fantastic. Um, but the, the the two I've gone for, um, Shane Williams. It's impossible to leave him out, really, isn't yeah. it? Like, and I think of all the joy I've had, uh, I've had watching him. It must have been even better when he's when he's helping you win games. You know, we spoke about Adam earlier winning penalties and you know things like that. Shane could win games out of nothing. It, you know, he 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 had a four or five year period where everything he touched turned to gold, um, and he he was he was unbelievable. You know, he it, it, I remember when we uh, when I first went to Neath, he was struggling a little bit with his hamstring, and um, he was in and out of the Welsh team, and I think he played. He, he played against Romania up in Wrexham. I think he scored three or four tries in the game, and then they yeah. Steve Anson ended up taking him to the World Cup as as a third choice scrum half. Um, and then obviously he played he played on the wing against New Zealand in in, in the one game, and he, he, Wales 
probably for their, their best performance on in our World Cup. And um, Shane never looked back from that day. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's Wales have produced some great wingers in the, through their time. But um, I, I would go as far to say as he's probably the best winger Wales have ever had. It's really hard to disagree with that. And that's, like you say, that's up against, you know, your, your Gerald Davises and your JJ Williams and all these kind of players. Yeah. It's yeah. really hard to compare between eras, but you, you just got to look at what they did to, to oppositions. And, and and Shane terrified every single side that um, that he played against, you know, yeah. from, like you say, from, from the Englands to the New Zealand, South Africa, Australia, Ireland, anyone. He scored tries against a lot of them. Yeah, and... Uh... Uh, not um, you know, uh, JJ Williams, Gerald Davis. They were great players, um, but but Shane Shane played against good defenses and great defenses, mm-hmm. and he, he could he could still make. I, I have no doubt JJ and Shane, uh, JJ and Gerald would have as well. But you know, from from mm-hmm. the evidence that that we've seen, Shane, Shane could do it against you know small players, big players. And he, he he just made things happen, you know. He he could beat um beat a man on the sixpence, and I just couldn't leave him out of the team. Yeah, no, I, I think you know, there's there's certain players it's it's almost impossible to look past, and Shane is is definitely one of those for me. Um, right, how about the uh, how about the other wing? Right, I, I picked somebody out of position because I I I just felt out of having him in the team, so I've gone for Jonah Lumo. So I've gone for Shane on the left wing, and I'm going to play. I'm going to play Lumo on the right wing. Yeah, I'd love. To, I'd love to hear you explaining that to him, uh, Sean. Walking over to Jonah again. No, you're having you're having number fourteen today. I, I think I prefer to say it to Shane. Yeah, but uh, for me, I just think it's um, it, from from right hand scrum, and um, it's just a great way of getting your winger into the game in. In tight channels, I think left-hand scrum teams tend to play a little bit wider. Right-hand scrum teams tend to be a little bit more direct. Um, so I just think it's a it's a great way of getting getting Jonah running at ten. Um, speaking as a ten, I know I wouldn't have wanted that. So um, <laughs> just a just a way, and I, I think I think the way the modern game is as well now is the back three is so interchangeable that yes. it uh, I, I, there are slight differences, but. I, I, I don't think there's as much of a difference as um, as, as was made made out years ago, and you know. Yeah, I think I, I think we're wingers. I think we're wingers in particular. You know, like you say, we're talking about you know Courtney Laws, and you you move players around to get them in the team. Well, I mean, if <laughs> if you've got if you've got peak Jonah Lomu in your in your squad, you'd move you'd move you'd move players around to to fit him in there, just because he's he's that good. He, he wouldn't be phased by playing on the right wing, would he? God no, and you know he um, he had those couple of years, didn't he? Before before his illness, bless him, and he was untouchable, untouchable. You know the the, the game and, against England in the World Cup as well, didn't he? You know, yeah, did it in yeah, yeah. did it in ninety five. Had his illness, came back in ninety nine as good a player. Yeah, that's right, that's right, and um, it's a shame really because I, I think I think we were robbed of uh, it's, it's a it's a big statement to make. But I think he could have been an even better player if if, yeah. if he hadn't had his, his problem was with, with health, you know. Um, so it's a little bit maybe controversial to pick him on the on the other wing, but I just felt I needed a needed to have him in the team. 
No, I don't. I don't think you, I don't think you can argue with that. Um, right, fullback is the one remaining spot. Who are the uh, Who are the candidates? I've got. I've got an. I've got. Before you tell me who it is, <laughs> right? I have yeah. a feeling you're going to go for Christian Cullen. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking at the way that side was lining up. And given you've clearly got this admiration for those complete all-back footballers, I just had a feeling it might be. Let's talk about it. Unpredictable. No, I, I I could just see the way it was the way it was taking shape. Who uh, who are the the ones who um before we talk about Colin, who are the ones who just missed out? Jason Robinson. Oh God, yeah, what a player! What a player again. Could uh, and we just spoke about back three being interchangeable, you know, and he, he was a great. Um, there's a great reference to that he could play 11, 14, 15 um, and he, he was probably one of the first ones that the world sort of played that played all three um, but to, yeah. a, to a great standard um, Yeah I think it's credit to Woodward and I don't often say that but it's credit to Guy Woodward that he was prepared to pick him at 15 and say that I don't care about you know whether you perceive there to be any frailty under the high ball because he's a small bloke if you're stupid yeah. enough to kick it to him he's going to run it back and he's going that's to right. cause you that's right. problems that's right that's right and probably um, the, the kick you know you, you watch these games now that have been replayed um, the, the the kick in the, the, the standard of kicking and the accuracy isn't nowhere near mm. what, it is, what it is today mm. um, you know no, top class nines now top class tens that they, they, they put the ball on the button every time um, probably 10, 15 years ago, it was one in two, one in three, maybe yeah. like two in three, perhaps were were good, and that there, you know, so that there was a lot more um, bad kicks to be able to counter attack from. Yeah, absolutely. What um, were, were there any others uh, who, who came close? Yeah, so I honourable mention for for Lee Byrne. Um, I was lucky yeah. enough to play with him probably in his in his in the best years of his career, sort of two thousand and five. To 2008, and he obviously uh, played a little bit longer than that. But um, uh, unbelievable left peg. But he also knew a different type of player than the others. He uh, he mm. would run great great lines, and you know, just off off 12 or 13 off blindside wingers. He would run. He, he would cut lines that would break defenses rather than you know using footwork and um, you know the ability to beat players. But he would beat them with his running lines. Um, that's, the, yeah, that's, that's the interesting thing with um, with like you said you know the, sometimes you see the back three is interchangeable Lee Byrne out of those players you've mentioned I see as an out and out fullback you yeah, know he's, because, because it's that it's almost like um, I don't mean it's in a bad way it's that old fashioned art like you say of running a, a killer line that cuts yeah. the defence rather that's than right, it, it right. being a handoff or a yeah or a step yeah. or something but he, but he started on the wing um when he, yeah. I think when he, he signed for the club team, Dan Ashley, and I'm, I'm sure his first you know, season or maybe a couple of half a season maybe was, was on the wing. And I, I think it, it, when players play in different positions, so it's like a third team that plays on the wing. I think it just mm. it helps you appreciate what, what players around you are looking for from you. Um, it, it just gives you a, a better overall understanding of the game as well. Yeah, no, so that's a great point. Um, yeah, so another fine player not to make the cut. We'd better talk about the main man then. Um, yeah. I just the most devastating finisher from anywhere on the pitch. So, 
you know, we just spoke about Lieber and cutting lines. I think Christian Cullen was a, a com in, in his best years. He was a combination of, of everything. He could he could beat people with footwork. He could run around people with gas, but he could also cut lines off players. And he was uh, for me, he was, he was dynamite for I don't know five four or five years. Um, he, he was untouchable. Yeah, it's um, yeah. Do you know what? it was? It was probably that long, if not a bit longer as well. He just um, just seemed to have this. I, I, don't, I haven't got the I haven't got the, the stats in front of me, but his try scoring record from fullback, you know, not necessarily finishing ones, you know, finishing ones out on the wing. His try scoring record must be incredible. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. Has to be. Um, yeah, he, he had those fair failures, didn't he? Where he was just on the end of everything, and. He, he, he would cut a line and he would always score. He would run around the fullback, run around wingers. He had unbelievable gas. Um, I, I remember um, I was sort of coming to the end of my career, 2008, ish maybe. Um, he was in. He was playing for Munster, and of course, it, yeah. it was it was it was sad to watch because his 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 legs had gone, and he yeah. he just wasn't the same player, you know, because he was a player that you know. Probably relied on that gas and the ability to beat players. Um, once it was gone, he, he just wasn't a, as effective as a, of a player. But um, you know, when he had when he had that gas, he was, as I said, he was untouchable. Yeah, absolutely devastating to watch. I've just done dug out his, his stats while we were chatting there. Sixty caps for New Zealand, two hundred and sixty-six points. Yeah, well, a fine, a fine choice to uh, to cap off your side. I'll just quickly, uh, quickly run through it before I ask you your, your final questions. So, front row, Rod Snow, Dane Coles, Adam Jones. Second row, Alamin Jones, John Eels. Back row, Zinzan Brook, Justin Tipperick, Scott Quinnell. Halfbacks, Aaron Smith, Carlos Spencer. Centres, Scott Gibbs and Carlos uh, and uh, Conrad Smith. Uh, Shane Williams and Jonah Loma on the wing and Christian Cullen at fullback. Uh, that's a, that's a pretty devastating side. That Sean, um, who is uh, who's going to who's going to lead this side? Who would be who would be your skipper? Who? Um, Alan Wynne Jones. Yeah, hard hard to look past him, isn't it? Um, yeah. You also you also get to choose um, you also get to choose the uh, the opposition you'd be playing against. Which side from history would you like to see? Uh, you like to see um, your team take on? Oh right, I I haven't gone from a particular year, but I think mm-hmm. um, I think this this team probably deserves to play against the best. So. Um, Best and probably one of the most iconic teams. So um, I think we'll play against the British Lions. Nice, nice. <laughs> Imagine that. That would be uh, yeah. That would be. You wouldn't have any problem selling tickets for that one. Um, no. Uh, you also, I forgot to mention this actually uh, when we spoke before we came on there. But you also get to choose the um, the stadium or the ground that this game would take place on. Um, so you can either you can either choose to fill out a uh, you know a, a colossal world class stadium, or you can choose a, a ground that you would uh, that you would love to to go and visit once more. So it's uh, entirely your choice. Right. Okay. Well, there we are. It, it'll link in then. Okay. So. Um... I, I probably enjoyed the um, some of the best years of my rugby 
was at Neath, so I, mm. I think we'd play at the Knoll. Playing at the Knoll, there you go. Yeah. Good stuff. And uh, yeah, and then the last uh, the last question, Sean. Uh, you also get to choose. Uh, you also get to choose the kit, uh, the jersey that the side will pull on. Um, which which one would you go for? Uh, well, it means I means we play at the Knoll, and I have seven uh, New Zealanders in my team. I think it has to be the old, the old black of Neath, didn't it? There we go. And we'll call it, we'll call them Sean Connor's All Blacks as well, just for uh, ju- just for you. Sure, it's been uh, it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you. Really enjoyed that, and uh, yeah, it would be an absolute joy to uh, to see the side uh, take the field. Just as um as one final note as well, where we've had uh, guests on over the years, me and Dan have been compiling uh, our own fifteen of people we've had on as guests, and you've still got the number ten jersey at the moment. Oh, you, um, so, yeah. oh, there you go. You. We got, we, yeah, we've got, we've got some, we got some, uh, a, re- a real mean pack. You know, we got, we got the the Adam Joneses in there. We have got Sam Warburton, but uh, yeah, you've uh, you, you, you've still got the other uh, number ten jersey in our one as well. I'm chuffed with that. Outstanding. <laughs> sure, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much, and uh, yeah, look forward to chatting to you again soon. Lovely. Thanks, Jed.